You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. Tannehill steps and fires, and it's intercepted. It's Marcus Peters who makes the play for the Ravens. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Baltimore keeps rolling. Three and one, finally, a victory where every Raven fan out there could breathe a little bit, relax a little bit, not have to pace around the room, not have to crush 18 different kinds of drinks, dips, foods, whatever we've been doing the last few weeks. Ravens, 23-7 to win over the Denver Broncos, the previously undefeated Denver Broncos. And we are here to talk all about it. I am Antonio Barbera, joined by my co-hosts, starting on the West Coast today, Jace Evans. And I now I said West Coast, and now I remember, on the East Coast for today, Jace Evans. Uh, we had some text messages from you that were hours earlier than we normally get them, so that, that was a, a red flag. But you're, uh, you're on, our, on our coast this week. Yeah, I'm on the East Coast, I will say, I think I'm still more west of the rest of you all, uh, so at my parents' house. But uh, yeah, uh, what a delightful game. Um, definitely the most kind of relaxing, I would say, of Ravens games, certainly this season. Uh, had a delightful viewing experience, watched the game with my parents uh, in the living room. And uh, I also would just like to say, saying Lamar Jackson can't throw is like saying water is dry. Doesn't make any sense. Barbaric, Antonio. Barbaric, James Prochet said. <laughs> and also joining us from the East Coast is Tim Horsey. Tim, what uh, what like great soundbite <laughs> or quote do you have about how good Lamar Jackson is and how important he is to this Ravens team? I mean, I'm not going to waste it all in the open here, but uh, to, to echo everyone's sentiments, I 
was so happy to be bored. Just, I've never felt better to just be bored. I, I, lay, I was horizontal watching the end of this game. If you know me and you have ever watched a football game with me, that is rare. It doesn't happen. It's usually pacing, screaming, shouting, edge-of-seat stuff, even when they're up big. It didn't matter, mainly because Drew Locke was playing by the time the fourth quarter came around. We'll get to that in a bit. But uh, excited to be here, excited to talk about a normal Ravens victory. When we previewed this game last week, uh, a version we saw was that this Denver team was 3-0, and they had beaten three teams who at the time were 0-9, so we didn't quite know who they were. They were still a Teddy Bridgewater team, which has never screamed flash and explosive offense and points on the board, so we felt kind of comfortable and even surprised, I would say, that the line was Denver by 1.5. Obviously, some things happened in this game, such as Teddy Bridgewater only playing one half and Drew Locke being significantly worse than I thought he was in, in the role he had, but... Is this a game of uh, the Broncos were who we thought they were, or uh, is this the Ravens are better than we think they were? That's tough. I mean, for me, I guess it's tougher because I'm still bullish on the Broncos. I really am. Um, I, I mean, look, every, everything that we say today is going to be, um, I don't know, coded in the fact that a horrible quarterback played the second half I have a good friend of mine who is a Broncos fan and I just cannot believe he had to suffer through the Drew Locke experience for like 18 <laughs> months it it is horrific I listened to something else today and I think uh, I've never heard it described better that Drew Locke throws the prettiest deep ball that isn't going to anyone um, in the NFL he just grips it and rips it and man that guy has no accuracy so I don't know. Oh, like overall, overall impressions. I'm. I was very impressed with the team. Um, I think the pass rush was great. We'll break that down in detail a little bit later. Um, I think Lamar Jackson was fantastic, which is I'm sure what we'll start with here. I thought he was just incredible again uh, this year, and he should be talked about more in the MVP conversation. But you know what? The less they talk about us, the better. Um, so. You know, not to sit on the fence, but I do kind of sit in the middle of it a little bit where I think the Broncos are better than what they showed because their starting quarterback got knocked out with a concussion. But I also think the Ravens are a very good football team and a team to be trifled with, um, albeit a few issues that we're definitely going to get into. Yeah, I, I think the Broncos, you know, obviously weren't going undefeated by any means or anything of that nature, but... And and I think we talked on the show. Their record, I think, was a little deceiving. But I do think they're a good team. I think their defense showed that, at least, um, certainly. And because of that, I think there's a lot of positive takeaways to take uh, away from this game as the Ravens. Like, they handled a pretty solid team on the road in what's always a tough road environment. And, yeah, I, you know, it was a convincing win. It was a, you don't want to say easy win, but, yeah, dra- kind of a drama-free second half the way you want it to be. And yeah, I, I, I take a, so a little column A, column B. I don't think the Broncos were quite as good as their record, obviously, but I was still very impressed with some of the things the Ravens managed to do. And, and I think more importantly, that's things that, you know, they can kind of spin going forward. A quiet first quarter in this game with a, a couple of punts back and forth before Denver took a 7 nothing lead. And then a, a, a small 
offensive explosion from the Ravens. 17 points in the second quarter. Went into half 17-7. to Came out of the half with, uh, as, as we've mentioned, the quarterback change for, for Denver after Teddy Bridgewater suffered uh, a concussion and Drew Locke comes in. And then it was just sort of smooth sailing from there defensively and just a couple of field goals in the second half offensively to kind of put the game put the game on ice really for for the entire fourth quarter after we saw enough of those Drew Lock passes miss their intended targets by yards and yards but looking at the first half of this game and really where the sort of the Ravens scored their uh their touchdowns and and took control of the game and took control of the of the lead Denver dedicated defensively to stopping the Ravens running attack a good plan if you can get it to work they were pretty effective uh, for large stretches, I think all three of us might agree that a part of it is because Tyson Williams was inactive for this game, and they decided to give Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman all the carries. But the Ravens, reacting to that, needing to change from a running team to a passing team, and boy did we get it from Lamar Jackson on Sunday. His second career 300-yard passing performance. Boys! We knew Lamar Jackson was talented. We knew he was a former MVP. Has he added another page to the book here of how he can help the Ravens win and carry the Ravens in a game where the rushing attack might not be working? By God, I hope so. Um, based on what we saw here, I think, look, we we would never come on this podcast, and I, and people who listen to this know this. We're not going to sit here and you know, the not too bad for a running back. Lamar couldn't throw the ball. Lamar is a talented passer. But the one thing that I think the criticism has been accurate is that it was a lot of always going to Mark Andrews, which fair, you know. By the way, he's slowly climbing back up out of purgatory for me. <laughs> we, we're going to have to have like a Mark Andrews update every week here on the podcast. But it was always to Mark Andrews and it was always in inside the numbers. Uh, you know, Lamar went 22 of 37 today and... If you look at the next-gen stats, uh, they put, like, a a graphic up of where his throws were. I count 15 that were outside the hash hash marks and 12 of those 15s that were outside of the numbers. It was something that we always talked about that he couldn't do. He always liked throwing over the middle. And he had some beautiful balls, um, you know, to James Prochet, who I want to talk about a little bit bit later here. Uh, Sammy Watkins after that early drop, which just, oh, man, I was like, oh, God, here we go rebounded nicely after that um, played very well on the outside as well. Mark Andrews, obviously a couple of those uh, that like corner route that he ran uh, to, you know, it's a little underthrown, but it was still on him, on him. So that, I think that's fine. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was, it was incredibly impressed as a passer. I mean, you saw Lamar. I mean, you look at the rushing stats seven for 28 and I don't remember a ton of design runs, you know, outside of the infamous one, which we'll get to, which Vic Fangio <laughs> was not happy with towards the end of the game, but he stood in the pocket when he had the time, which there was the offensive line. We'll get to as well. They had an up and down day for sure, but he did when he had time and he had a clean pocket, he stayed in it. He stepped up in his, he stepped through his throws and he made some beautiful passes. And yeah, this, the biggest takeaway I guess I can have from this game is, is answering your question, Antonio. Yeah. If he continues to play like this, this is an, another, weapon in the arsenal of Lamar Jackson that almost makes him unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, he was, he's been great this season. We talked about maybe in the Lions game, obviously he was not helped by 
drops, uh, or we probably would have had 300 yards last week. Um, you know, uh, two of his three highest passing yardage games uh, have been the last two weeks uh, in the regular season. So it's impressive. We, uh, you know, people bang the drum for this guy to take the, take the leap as a passer. And I think we're seeing it. I think he's clearly worked on it. They, they've, have some good game plans. Like Vic Fangio, he said as much, like they dared the Ravens to run. Specifically, he said, we obviously wanted to limit Lamar's opportunities to carry it and scramble. Uh, we did that, but they were able to complete the long passes, which negated it. Perfect. <laughs> That's what you want from, you know, uh, your quarterback. Your, I will, We should also credit, you know, Greg Roman, the play caller. There's some good, obviously, play calls in there uh, to get some guys wide open, including that uh, that Prochet kind of cross where just no one picked him up and that kind of sealed the game. I, I was just very encouraged. And you speak of Lamar, obviously he's dealing with some type of back injury, uh, whether it occurred from the fact he flipped directly onto his back a few weeks ago no, or <laughs> whether he is, to be fair, he has been the most hit uh, quarterback in the NFL this year, which is uh, a bigger problem that we'll get into, I think, in a minute, just in terms of, this team long-term, but, uh, but yeah, so he's taken a lot of hits this year and a lot of shots, uh, but he's been dealing with his back injury, he missed two days of practice last week. Um, so maybe it's intentional just because of his injury to limit the runs or as part of the game plan, whatever the reason he's responded by just with some excellent passing games. And that's super encouraging. And, you know, we want this guy to keep evolving and he's 24 and I keeps seemingly keeps adding to his game, which only, you know, should help his career in the very long term. Early in the game, one of the designed runs, I think it was a third down. It was like third and five, third and six, and he ran off maybe in between, off the right tackle, had the first down, and then got almost broken in half by a couple of different Bronco defenders. And I would hope that that's a reason also that the the designed runs were very much curbed. I don't know if he had one after that specific play because uh, I was concerned when I saw it especially with the this this mysterious uh, sore back that he had coming into this game uh, got away with one there I think because it looked like it had he been he was sort of twisted up and was able to get out of the sort of one of the grips before he got hit whereas if he had stayed twisted and gotten hit it could have been a, a whole a whole mess but uh, but we, we, you know, we thank it. We thank uh, the Lord and, and everybody else and everything that we have. Lamar Jackson healthy coming out of this game. Another guy who Tim speaks of purgatory and ascension <laughs> of rings of despair. Hollywood Brown with several catches in this game that A, he hung on to and B, had yards after the catch. But the big one. 49-yard moonball from Lamar Jackson that we talked about last week. He was throwing some gorgeous deep balls, and he threw into Hollywood Brown, who was wide open, maybe overthrew him by a touch. But guess what? When you put air under the ball and you have a guy who can burn, he can catch up. And boy, did he. Diving catch into the end zone was the play of the game, really, from, from both sides, both teams. Tim, how many uh, do we get a level elevation for Hollywood Brown here, or is it uh, just still trying to make up for the plays from the week before? Oh no, he's out of it. He, well, he's completely out. out. I mean, yeah, he's out. Mark's got to do a little bit more for me. I know, and it's completely, <laughs> it's completely irrational. I, I understand that, but Hollywood is out. Um, it helps that they beat the Lions too. By the way, if, the, if that, if we were still talking about a loss to the Lions, I think that would have changed things. But 
this is the thing that, and look, this is purple tinted glasses, and this is sentimental, and you could and you could say all that about this if you want to, and you know what? Fine, I don't really care because I, one of the images that you got after that Detroit game was Lamar and Hollywood, who are clearly very tight, like very very good friends. They ride, they go, they drive to every game together. They always pull up together, yada yada. Uh, their most recent Twitter picture of them uh, hanging out on Lime scooters. I don't know where, but it's awesome. Like these, the guys are bros. They love hanging out, and they sat next to each other on the plane. And it, you know, it's the Ravens' social media team for take that with. You know, they do a great job, but obviously, it's painted in a certain light. But Lamar has the iPad out, and he's showing him different stuff to Hollywood, and they're already breaking down the plays. And Hollywood, to his credit, said everything right in in. Yeah, the week leading up, he said, I've been focusing too much. Uh, I've been focusing too much on my breaks and my footwork to not catch those balls. Like, cause I'm getting away from guys. His separation has been incredible. And they clearly give an S like they clearly care. And so I think that to be able to respond in that way, it was just, it was so nerve wracking because you're never really going to get that opportunity. It was like, if he doesn't make that catch, you probably would be like, ah, eh, you know, that was a tough, it was a tough layout situation. But every Ravens fans would be like, he just can't even make that play anymore. What the hell? And I felt so good for him that he was able to make that type of play that, again, you know, all kidding aside, immediately kind of quells your reservations about Hollywood stepping up in the biggest moments. And so, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, you know, if we want to go conspiracy theory, maybe Lamar intentionally let him because he's like, I know my man can make that play and it'll quell all the things. But no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. So Marquise Brown, fantastic performance uh, from him. And, and one guy I do want to shout out because I know we're going to have to go negatives, defense and everything. James Prochet showed up. And I think that, you know, if we're just going to stick on wide receivers for a second here, a couple big plays, a huge third down where. Prochet is one of the smallest guys on the field, and he dragged a guy to the first down. He did it twice, actually. Um, I think one was on a – was it a fourth down? Or it might have just been another conversion. I can't remember. Um, that guy, that was – you know, outside of his incredible post-game uh, conversation <laughs> as well that Jace referenced early in this program, I thought his on-the-field play was fantastic. And, and it, frankly, it makes you excited. Sammy Watkins play, has played well. Hollywood Brown, outside of one game, has played well. James Roche stepping up now. Rashad Bateman, they're hinting that he could come back this week. I doubt it, but they're hinting that he could. So the future of the Ravens passing game is looking very, very bright, which um, that's probably the first time I've ever said that, <laughs> ever, it's since 1996. So, you know, it, it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I agree with you, Tim. Proche, I think, easily his best game uh, since he's joined the team. And in terms of Hollywood, I was just, it, it, it's just so encouraging to see that bounce back. It, it has to be such a big confidence booster. Cause I agree with you when that ball was in the air, I did actually think Lamar overthrew him a bit. I was like, Oh gosh, like it's going to be like a hard for him to, when you see where he is, but to, to close on that and make that kind of leaping catch, like to just know you can do those kind of things on a football field. I have to imagine uh, feels pretty kind of empowering <laughs> as a receiver and He's been great. I mean, I think we he's another guy we've talked about wanting to make the leap and as sort of, you know, probably goes hand in hand that we see this kind of jump from Lamar as Hollywood certainly, I think, improved. Uh, last week aside, he you know, he's still top 10 in the NFL in passing yards after four weeks in, which is 
you know, got to be close to a Ravens record. Uh, he, he's a, he's been uh, he's been having a good year. He's got four touchdown catches, and so um, I, I was just so impressed. I, you guys kind of said that was kind of um, obviously the score that put him ahead, and then to, to go up ten going into halftime, I was pretty confident. Uh, but then certainly, yeah, we'll we'll get into it. More confident once Drew Locke uh, trotted out there. I'd say I was very into Hollywood's uh, touchdown celebration. Was him. Uh acting as if the ball was stuck to his hands that's that's the that's the mindset you got to be in the, the the ball is glued to your hands from now on hollywood a, a small issue offensively that we need to get into that has been a talking point off and on for the past i don't know two seasons with the ravens is the offensive line that was dinged with the departure of alejandro villanueva the replacement andre smith who is a practice squad uh, upgrade guy. And I uh, I had some question marks about Andre Smith's ability to be the left tackle of this football team. Him immediately team. wiping out a touchdown with a face mask Just gave you some questions, a, Antonio? A, a, a reach block that he missed by yards uh, and just up in a situation where you would think he would know, based on the play, that defender is not going to be involved at all. Uh a 300-plus-pound man from the far side is never catching up to Lamar Jackson rolling to the you know the far side. It's frustrating. There are other in-between plays, and this is, you know, I don't want to, this may be, I mean, I'm being a little too critical of a player who he probably didn't expect to play in this game. He was on the practice squad, obviously, but after a couple of plays, I saw him in the huddle reaching for breath in all the ways so there's concerns about him playing a full game Villanueva the injury apparently is not quite uh resolved we don't know what his availability is going to look like what what are we doing guys here we have 800 draft picks for next season do we need to go now and add an offensive lineman who has some professional snaps uh under his belt and trade for a guy who's on an active roster what can the Ravens do here to try to patch up a line that's protecting by a mile the most important asset on this Ravens team. Well, just after the game, Harbaugh did say the Villanueva thing isn't serious. So, you know, it could be him just saying, I don't want to answer the question about it now, which John has been known to do, especially this season. Coach Harbaugh, I just called him John. Um, And... Antonio, I want to say, yeah, I, like I, I'd be for, especially with how good this team has looked so far this year, I'd be down for like, yeah, trade a third round pick for some guy, but they don't have the cap room and those guys aren't available. Any guy that you're going to trade for is not going to improve this offensive line. You know, they, they need tackles, tackles cost first and second round picks. It ain't happening. It's just, it's just not going to happen for this Ravens team. Um, so you just kind of have to hope Villanueva is okay. I mean, look, I've I've frankly been shocked by how well Patrick McCarry has played at right tackle. Now he, he didn't do great against Von Miller a couple times, but you don't single you don't single cover Von Miller when you have a center playing right tackle. But that's a whole different story. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think this is going to be the Achilles heel of this team. You know. It, Fine, credit to Denver, and this is why the passing game is so important. Denver went out there to stop the run. We still got 100 yards, by the way, Vic. Don't forget that. And 
they went out to stop the run and they effectively did it for the most part because the offensive line did not get any push whatsoever for a majority of the game. Um, in pass pro, like I said before, hit and miss. Sometimes I, I just went back and rewatched the highlights right before recording this. Clean as day, the pocket is. Sometimes dirty as hell, the pocket is. Like it is just there. It's all over the place um, for Lamar and. I, I can't keep saying it. I can't keep doing the broken record bit, but that is going to be the down. It's either going to be the thing that it's good enough where they can overcome the deficit or the issues with it, or it's bad enough where it derails their season in the biggest moments. And unfortunately I'm still leaning towards it's going to derail their season at the biggest moments, but I guess, you know, we'll have to see. Let's just, let's hope Villanueva is okay because since he's moved to left, he's been fine. And then, who knows with Ronnie Stanley at this point? It seems like that could be a season thing again, which would be, you know, of course, devastating. Yeah, I, I always kind of feel bad for guys like Andre Smith because you're like, he's bad out there. But also you're like, it's not Andre Smith's fault that Andre Smith is in the game right now. Like, it's it comes back to the Ravens. And to your point on trading for someone, yeah, I'd obviously, I think, look for that. But as Tim kind of mentioned, I think all the guys you want, like certainly no good teams are trading their tackles. And the, the, usually, you know, these offensive linemen are just, you could argue they're kind of the biggest commodity in the NFL today, other than quarterbacks, like teams, like try to load up other lines, understandably. And yeah, it's a problem for the Ravens. And, you know, we could obviously go back to relitigate, I guess the Orlando Brown trade as it, uh, tur- not that he's been, you know, fantastic for the chiefs by any means, but you know, having not Andre Smith be their left tackle would also be not horrible given the uncertainty we have with Ronnie Stanley, which, you know, obviously just stinks for him, um, kind of. And perhaps the Ra- that's something the Ravens should have done a little more contingency planning for than they did. They never really got a swing tackle, and now Patrick McCarry's their right tackle. So things like that. I agree with Tim, though. It's kind of... You know, as we said, Lamar's been the most hit QB in the NFL this year, and I think the line's obviously a big reason why. Um, and it, I think it's going to be a struggle all year, so I think it's up to Greg Roman to get creative. I was not a fan of some of those play calls in the short run situations. I, uh, My most old man football take, I think, is I absolutely despise running out of shotgun on uh, short yardage situations. Um, it just drives me up a wall and they did that. And, and especially one of them near midfield, you know, you run, I don't know if that was out of shotgun, but you run like Le'Veon Bell on like a third and two, third and three. This guy just got activated and you're like relying on him to get three yards behind your offensive line that just immediately got caved in by a good Broncos run defense, we should say. But yeah, it was, especially in the short yardage, that was the bureau concern. I think the shocking thing was they got even a chance to get to a hundred yards in this game. Cause yeah, they did not do much on the ground. And um, as Tim said, that's how it's good. Lamar's taken kind of this passing leap because he kind of has needed to the last uh, kind of two weeks, really. One of the more frustrating comments that I heard during the game was, well, you know, Lamar Jackson missed two practices this week. And this was the week where Le'Veon Bell was really ramping up to be an active running back on the roster. So they don't have a ton of chemistry. They admitted that. Uh, so maybe don't activate him for this game maybe keep the running back who we think has looked pretty strong active one more week and then let them get their chemistry or whatever the following week and have Le'Veon Bell he he was he is not a game changer he's at a stage of his career where anything he gives us is a bonus 
Uh, he will be gone at the end of the season, <laughs> almost definitely. So I, that seemed like a mistake to me. I do want to move on to the defense, but 30 seconds, guys, on the running back room. Uh, they've said Tyson Williams should be back, that they're just trying to share carries and figure out what the room is. Any thoughts on uh, on what the Ravens are doing with these backs at this point? No. I mean, it was weird. Like, it just, it, it was, I completely agree completely with you. If they couldn't practice together, especially for an offense that runs so much run, uh, you know, options and things like that, what are we doing? Uh, but, you know, whatever, they made a decision. I thought Le'Veon looked okay with the caveats. Um, I thought Latavius Murray actually did look uh, pretty good. I mean, he looks like Gus Light. He's a battering ram. He's going to go one way and one way only, and he'll hopefully pick up at least four yards. Like, And that, frankly, at this rate, is kind of what they need. For Tyson, I don't it, – it's not sharing carries in a big game against an undefeated team away from home. Like, that's just – that's a lie. It's a, simply a lie. There's no way that's what it is. There's something else behind the scenes. I don't know if he's fumbling at practice. I don't know. If they're still not really convinced by him, obviously they're smarter than we are when it comes to football minds, but there's something else there, and it makes me very intrigued for what we're going to see on Monday night. Yeah, that's one of those things with where like I just assume they're seeing something that, you know, the layman football watcher that I would say we probably all are, aren't something pass protection related or, you know, signals adjusting and picking up reads and calls and all this stuff. But it's very frustrating because Tyson Williams is clearly their most explosive running back, like by a mile. And to just not have him in the lineup, it, it, it's it's boggling. I agree with Tim. I like Latavius Murray for who he is. He kind of is what he is at this point in his career. He's not gonna, you know, go go. Uh, they ran one ball and short yardage for him to try to get to the edge, and I was like, mistake <laughs> on that uh, watching Sunday, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's going on with Tyson. I hope he gets back in the rotation because a little explosiveness in the run game from a guy not named Lamar Jackson would be ideal. And I think Williams, certainly of all the guys they have on their roster, is the most kind of equipped to do that. So, I don't know. I hope we see him. I was very confused by it, at times frustrated by it as you watched, you know, the, the line just not do anything and stuff in this game. But... Yeah, I got just something to monitor going forward, I suppose. I just want to do one more quick thing on the offense. Because um, I felt like I feel like it should get mentioned. We were overly positive for a team that probably could have especially on that, you know, that middle eight that they talk about towards the end of the first half, beginning of the second, they could have slammed the door on this even earlier than they did, and they didn't take care of it. Um the third downs have to get cleaned up. You know, it and Andrew Catalan and Captain Obvious James Lofton the entire game were talking about, you know, every time it came up, you'll never guess on third and sixth, right? It's like, we understand, yep, mm-hmm, I got, I've been, I've been listening the entire time, Andrew. Yes, I know, oh, James, oh, another point. That guy's wearing a jersey. Thanks, James. Um, the third downs, they went seven for 17, and at the beginning of the game, it was, it was very bad. They seemed to clean it up a little bit, but... The, the third and long stat, what was it, third and six or third and seven, whatever it was, it's like some woeful percentage for the Ravens. Um, that has to be better. Like, that is a that is a game-changing drive. So, 
good on them for kind of getting improving as the game went on, but it needs to be more consistent throughout. And I, whether it's third and two, third and five, or third and seven, it has to be cleaned up. I, I think the longer third downs turn the offensive line honest, basically, and that's why we're bad at them. Uh, when you're at a third and two, you could run or pass. When you're at a first and 20, you can run or pass. But once they get into the third and seven, third and eight, the defense does not have to stack the box. They don't have to put eight, nine guys there. They play a regular coverage and then maybe blitz a guy. And I think the offensive line has struggled mightily in those situations. And we have seen Lamar take several sacks, I feel like, in that exact type of play where he doesn't I mean he tries to run for his life and a lot of times almost gets engulfed in, in the pocket. But yeah, yeah, maybe go back to uh, 2019 Baltimore, or even 2018 Baltimore Ravens when they would run it on third and seven. They would say, you know, forget this. We're just going to run our power O and see if you can stop us. We're, sure, let's bring back Marshall Yonda too. We need uh, a... <laughs> yeah, he's probably, what is he, like still like cut and like lost 800 pounds and uh, yeah i think he's like i think he's like smaller than i am right now so i don't know if he would necessarily work for us but or or just nick boyle even just a a a slighter version of marshall yonder where we can run the three tight ends and just you know he looks like he could run a route on third and seven but it's actually just power (laughs) oh but uh we'll certainly see what because i yeah that that needs to be improved upon even just a little bit from yeah the one out of 25 or whatever the number was defensively guys i uh i'm gonna like high school teacher this and i have two scenarios two narratives and i'm gonna turn to my two co-hosts and you have to tell me which one is closer to accurate for the ravens defense because this was certainly a tale of two halves with a backup quarterback coming in narrative number one The Ravens defense gave up seven points on the road, contained the few Broncos playmakers who were healthy in this game. They looked very comfortable for vast, the vast majority of this game and had a pretty, uh, pretty spicy pass rush between OA Houston and some others. Narrative two, they still cannot tackle anybody specifically in the open field. They were giving up chunk plays on the ground and in the air in the first half. A lot of 10-yard slants uh, that we just were sort of allowing. And really, they looked better because Bridgewater got hurt and Locke could not hit water throwing a ball into the ocean. Uh, Which narrative is is closer to the, the reality with this Ravens defense? I might shock you here. I'm gonna skew positive. I was very, very impressed with the, with the Ravens' defense. Um, I think the tackling, yeah, is a problem. Um, I love Marlon Humphrey, but everybody knows that he's fruit punch now. So, like, let's just tackle a guy, you know. Yeah, we're kind of getting to that stage like we did in the middle of last year. And, and occasionally you can surprise a dude. But, like, that Javante Williams run. That was awesome. embarrassing for a number of players, but especially. Yeah. Awesome play, and I, frankly, I wouldn't even say him. It was I don't. Even, it was uh, Tavon Young who got stung of meeting him at the line of scrimmage, and then another guy got run over too. I just assumed it was Patrick Queen. <laughs> I didn't go back and check. Um, but Tim, we love that Tavon Young was the one who 
went directly through the middle of the line, not yeah, your inside right. linebacker. Where, where's the middle linebacker wearing the ridiculous number six? Yeah, who knows? Um, oh, man, you're almost going to make me change my opinion here. No, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No. And, and the reason I won't is because I thought the pass rush and the front line consistently were very, very good. And that was not about Drew Locke. It was not about Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't care if it was about... Oh, the Broncos are missing two starting guards. Yeah, keep talking about all the Broncos injuries, by the way. It, we definitely had a clean bill of health going into this one, guys. And I know that for sure. Um, I thought Tyus Bowser was incredible. I thought Calais Campbell was fantastic. I think Adafe Owe is going to the Hall of Fame uh, at this point. I, I, am, I am over the moon about watching that guy for the next five years. Hopefully 10, hopefully 13. We'll see. He is a freak athlete. I, I mean, his sack... When he just swallowed Teddy Bridgewater after getting the bend and the explosiveness, it was one of those just oh my god moments of yes, 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 yes. We finally have a guy like that, and uh, you know Justin Matabuke in the middle too really helped stuff the run. I mean Bowser had the two sacks, but also really set the edge well too on some of these run plays. So for me. I, I, the tackling is a problem. I thought Patrick Queen had another poor game, and maybe we're just honing in on honing in on him at this point. Excuse me, and you know if if that if you think that's a criticism, then that's fair, and I understand that. But because of the way the front line played, especially, I'm going to lean positive and say I was really impressed with the performance. I don't think they're an elite defense by any stretch of the imagination yet, but I think it was um, they were dominant on the day. We'll put it that way. Tim really uh, threw me for a loop going positive because I thought I was going to be the positive guy because I, too, was uh, It's like the Paul Rudd meme. Like, yeah. look at us. Look at us. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was very encouraged. Uh, you know, they had a stat that the first uh, three games were basically the worst defensive performance uh, through three games in Ravens history. Uh, and they came out and they gave up seven points on the road. And as bad as Drew Locke was, it wasn't like Teddy Bridgewater was lighting it up. You know, they had seven points. And the reason he was out of the game, uh, unfortunately for him, obviously, you never like to see a guy get hurt. But he was concussed because he got lit up several times, including the final hit by Adafo away. Um, and so they were getting after him a lot in the first half. And it wasn't like he was... You mentioned the the chunk plays, Antonio, and certainly they seem to be running better. I think their offense as a whole was certainly more fluid in the first half uh, than when Drew Locke came in. But Bridgewater wasn't able to do anything, really. They didn't even really try to go over the top at all with him um, in any way. And I, I, I was briefly nervous when Drew Locke got in this game because I was like, they haven't gone deep at all. And I, I was like, maybe they can unlock some over-the-top passing they haven't tried. And then, yeah, he missed Cortland Sutton up the seam and then later through about eight yards to the left of where Cortland Sutton was on another deep uh, ball. So um, yeah, maybe like it would have been a little more perilous, a little closer perhaps in the second half with Teddy Bridgewater. But I, I thought on the whole, I thought the defense really showed up and it was encouraging after they've had, frankly, a pretty tough first few weeks. Um, but to just shut down really any opponent largely in the NFL, you only give up seven points and don't give up any in the second half when they're down and passing and trying to come back. I was impressed, and to Tim's point, I think even larger, the pass rush, OA makes me very excited. Uh, I, yeah, outside of that one Javante Williams play and that drive as a whole, uh, I was pretty pretty hard to not be pleased with the defense, I think. Talking about Tim mentioning all the injuries for Denver, uh, and, and, you know, the Ravens, another starter out for this game for Baltimore with Deshaun Elliott. 
And that made me a little bit nervous uh, because I think he's one of the better tacklers on the team. And Chuck Clark sort of took that mantle this week. I thought he was all over the field. Uh, I know Tim has been Tim has been a Chuck Clark stand since uh, since the beginning. Tim Love Chuck wrapping people up at the line in the secondary, sideline to sideline. Positive things from Clark until Elliott comes back and sort of. Uh, Maybe retakes the you know fly to the ball uh, role of this defense. Yeah, I mean Elliot's a missile, and I, it's just one of the best parts about him. I mean, or excuse me, Jace has mentioned this a number of times on this podcast about those guys not really making enough plays, and honestly, he is he is dead on with that. I think he is, um, you know, bang on. But the one thing I think both of them do is tackle well, and they are. The problem is they're both kind of in-the-box type guys. They want to get up in your face. They want to hit you. I mean, Chuck Clark almost sent a kid to the ER on, on during this game uh, on a completely legal hit, by the way. I don't want to hear anything different. It was a completely legal hit, Gene Steratore. Get the out of here. Um, and, yeah, you, you need that. You need that on your back end. Oh, man, it's, it's a gratuitous joke, but I'm going to make it anyway. You need it on the back end when your middle linebacker can't tackle anybody. So just it's it's one of those things. It's nice to have those sure hands in the backfield. And, yeah, I mean, if you're going through if you're going through MVPs of this game, if you're doing like a Mount Rushmore of Ravens or whatever for the game, I think Lamar's on there. Clearly, I think Hollywood for the redemption story is on there. Um, I would probably put Adafi Owe there. I think some people put in Tyus Bowser because he had the two sacks. Chuck Clark has to be on there for his performance yesterday. Um, just consistent, solid, and frankly, you know, you you probably want a little bit more, but it's all you can really ask for. You mentioned tackling, and this is a minor thing. I don't have a point to add outside of just stating this, but it struck me just looking at the box score. I didn't realize this. Chris Board led the team in tackles uh, on Sunday. Chris Board. Showing Go showing figure. Todd like a Raven, sure. he belongs. Uh, <laughs> three critics of Chris Board's Ravens career, so good. To, yeah, good to see him coming up. Yeah, I, I figured we back on Chris Board for just being Chris Board. This is a positive <laughs> Chris Chris Board appreciation shout out. Uh, all right, there's one more thing, and we saved a few minutes at the end here. Uh, there's one more thing that we need to talk about in this game, and it is the last play of the game. And I'm, I'm going to talk about it for about 10 seconds, and then I'm going to turn to my two co-hosts, because I just, I drink up the tears of angry Broncos fans uh, upset with that last play. It was fun. It was funny. The Ravens obviously have taken this seriously because it has been their identity for years, so they wanted to keep the streak going to run the ball as opposed to take a knee. Uh, I look forward to Denver getting revenge on us four years from now when they still haven't made the postseason and they have a different coaching staff, different head coach, different, multiple different quarterbacks, and no one cares or remembers this play. I'm going to turn to you guys now. This is, I want to open the door here for a what's bothering Jace or a what's bothering Tim, that level of, of energy for who wants to tackle the Ravens having a five-yard gain to end the day with over 100 rushing yards and keep this streak and tie the Steelers for an all-time mark of consecutive games with 100 yards rushing. Take it away, my co-hosts. I mean, not to take your bit, Jace, but one, I can't be too annoyed because we beat the brakes off of Vic Fangio. He couldn't figure out, like, sorry, if you want to stop it, Vic, 
you're such a great defensive mind, then stop it. Stop talking about player safety when you're wasting all your timeouts to try and throw a garbage time touchdown at the very end of the game. We're all doing the same thing here. If we wa- if there's something that's clearly important to this team and the identity of this team and you can't stop it, that is your problem, not ours. Sorry, buddy. You're the you're the guy that is this brilliant defensive mind. Von Miller, look at all these guys we have Justin Simmons. The Ravens wanted to get the record, and you know what? They said, why not? We're going we're gonna to stomp on your throat to end this game. I, I love that for my football team. And then I love the pettiness of John Harbaugh. I just <laughs> drink it up because, I mean, you talk about the tears. It, it, it's, it's Vic Fangio here being the one that's calling it BS in his press conference. I've never seen that. Don't, don't play that card. Like, wh- what are we doing? And then Harb's going... He wasn't aware of a 16-point play, so he questioned what the Broncos were doing, throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left to do with winning. And then on the Le'Veon Bell play, which, by the way, Le'Veon Bell got torn by his face mask. I don't know if you remember this play earlier in the game. They called a holding on the Ravens. Didn't see the other guy trying to rip his head off of his shoulders, but that's fine. He goes, quote, uh, here's on Bell. Again, not asked about Vic Fangio. This is a, he's talking about Le'Veon Bell. He made a couple of nice cuts. He got hit in the backfield the one time and spun out. Speaking of player safety, getting grabbed and his head twisted, that one was for player safety. Harbaugh is all for it. And and, and on a serious note, too, this clearly matters to this group of players. Like Marlon Humphrey tweeted out today because Torrey Smith tweeted something of what are people going to be fake mad about this morning? Or no, Marlon tweeted that. Torrey responded to him and was like, uh, you guys getting the hundred yards, and even Humphrey was like, "Yeah, I was counting the yards. Like, I knew what, I knew we were close. Like, everybody knew this was a thing." And you know what? The even more pettiness and s housery or out housery, as as the people in soccer like to say of it, is that they want to break the Steelers' record against the Colts. Like, come on, that's a, you just live for the Baltimore narrative there. So I hope they go for you know two Bills on Monday night. Let's hope. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll hand up and say I actually was not even uh fully aware of the the what had transpired and the controversy until today. Um once Anthony Averett picked that ball off in the end zone, I kind of, you know, assumed the game was over since there was less than 10 seconds left. So, we still had it on, but I was eating dinner with uh, my family and uh I was not until I opened Twitter today and saw just tweet after saw a very stupid Mike Florio tweet and uh <laughs> amongst other people um tweet, tweeting about this this play and you know, at first blush, you know, probably not what I would have done, I think. Like, it kind of is a little, like, eh, that's kind of a little chintzy. But seeing how mad Vic Fangio was today has made it all worthwhile to me. And I completely agree with Tim's points. It's, you know, uh, just Harbaugh, uh, I love this quote from him. Uh, one of the other things he said uh, t- today re- regarding uh, the play was, uh, well, when told what Fangio said about him uh, today as we record, Harbaugh said, I thought we were on good terms. We had a nice chat before the game, but I promise you I'm not going to give that insult one second of thought. What's meaningful to us is not necessarily meaningful to them. And I just love it, Antonio. You're, and you're 100% right. They're, uh, they're not going to have to worry about it uh, in the future because uh, the Broncos aren't making the playoffs and Vic Fangio is going to get fired if they don't. So, <laughs> um, uh, so you know, I, I loved it. I It's it's Harbaugh, you know, going for a record that it is going to be cool. Like, the more I've thought about it, it's like, yeah, they kind of had to 
cheat a little bit to get there, but Big Fangio opened the door for not cheat. It's not the right word. There's time but, on the clock, baby. Yeah. There's time on the clock. Well, they they had to get, I guess, a little quote unquote silly with things, but uh, <laughs> they uh, they you know Fangio. The only reason they had time was because Fangio wanted to try to score a touchdown and his bad QB threw a horrible pick. <laughs> Shout out Anthony Averett. So I'm all for going for it because now you know, as Antonio mentioned, they're tied with the Steelers for an all time NFL record. That's really cool and. Uh, it'll be even cooler if it's exclusively the Ravens record, hopefully next week. So uh, yeah, I love going for it. Why not? Um, and that so many people that are Broncos fans, Broncos, water carriers, etc., are mad about it. Very funny. I'm all for it. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it was, <laughs> it was very strange that this is the biggest controversy and talking point coming out of this game. But, uh, you know, I, I, we, I, I think it's only a, probably a good thing, especially now that Fangio made these comments. Uh, I imagine that the players are going to be even more for what, what they did uh, on Sunday. Oh, so. Harbaugh is Harbaugh's never taken a knee against the Vic Fangio-led team again. Like that, you just know that's how he's going to operate here. Um, I will say one thing, just because I know we're going to move off this game here, but talking of player safety and talking of you know protecting these guys. The first, I mean, the refereeing is at an all time low anyway, and I think we can all agree on that. I don't care that Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. This roughing the passer, where every other quarterback in the league, or most of them anyway, get, you know, spit on, and, or like a mouth guard could fly out and hit him in the helmet, and they would call 15 yards for roughing the passer. Lamar Jackson is getting walloped in the pocket on some of these plays. And frankly, it's egregious. It's, it's not safe and it's not fair. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not trying to cry a river like Fangio did, but <laughs> it's legitimately like not a fair thing when a guy like Brady or Roethlisberger, whoever it is, is a legacy player in the league and is not a mobile quarterback. Lamar on the exact same play could sit in the exact same pocket. And he's voicing his frustrations. If you haven't seen this on Twitter, uh, he was retweeting a bunch of accounts. He he quote tweeted one saying everybody's seen that like the on a play that somebody was like, people need to start calling these. It's got to get cleaned up. And I imagine, especially if he's going public with it on social media, that old uh, Eric DaCosta is going to have a call up to the league office and be like, hey, let, let's let's watch out for this. So it'd be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks. That sounds like, yeah, like a Bashadi level uh phone call Bashadi, i think we, the owners get right through right to uh to goodell to to try to fix things uh yeah uh i i agree with that obviously i you know joking if the refs can't see the ball carrier have his helmet ripped to the side and i'm speaking about Le'Veon bell then i have no faith in them in them seeing yeah, a quarterback right. who's already gotten rid of the ball uh, based on the level of refereeing that we have seen. So it's good to see him, uh, Jackson, sort of taking initiative to, to make a point that he's getting treated differently, and I think it's pretty obvious. The receipts are certainly there. Um, and that's going to do it for this for this game to talk about. A, a comfortable win out of the Baltimore Ravens, and uh, our heart rates are back down. The, the health is up just a little bit, just in time for another primetime football game. But before we preview that, we're going to turn now to the rest of the NFL. And uh, let's do a little around the uh, around the AFC North. 
and I'm going to let you guys touch on what part of these games uh, maybe most intrigued you this week. The Pittsburgh Steelers got basically outmatched in Green Bay. Ben Roethlisberger, ew, it's going from bad to still bad. Uh, I view at least two checkdown throws on fourth down, which is coming off of last week where he threw a checkdown on fourth and ten. Uh, this is not the Ravens uh, of 2012 on fourth and 29 that you're dealing with here, so... Ben looks bad. He cannot throw the ball deep. He's not interested in throwing the ball deep. It's all five yards in front of him, and defenses are adjusting. The Browns, I mean, I guess we could say took care of business against the Vikings defensively in a 14-7 to victory where Mayfield looked suspect at best. And then the Bengals with a Thursday night win in a game that probably was closer than it should have been over the Jags. But Bengals now a frisky three and one for a rebuilding team. So out of the AFC North guys, what, uh, what point do you want to bring up this week? For the first time in a long time, or maybe ever, I am no longer scared of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm just not. I, I, the defense is pretty good. Even great at times. They have some elite level talent on that defense. But you know, I'm not trying to sit here and, and dance on the grave and trust me, the game at Heinz Field, I'm picking Pittsburgh in the points. I'm sure I will when we get to that point. Just That's how this works. That's how fandom is. That's how I operate. But they're starting a skeleton at quarterback. Like, in terms of a footballing sense, the guy is dead. He's dead. It's it. It's over. It's done. It, it, and it's, it's, you know, look, I'm not, I, I don't want to have a party about it. It's not fun to watch a guy trying to hang on too long. I'd never find that fun in the NFL, in any sport, really. It, it, frankly, it's depressing. Is it morbidly funny? Yes. Am I laughing about it off the air? Absolutely. Are we texting about it constantly? You bet. But I just, I, I don't know. There's something weird about watching Ben play this way towards the end. That being said, it knocks another team out of this AFC North title race because the Steelers are done. That is it. Game over, finished, and how yeah, maybe I am enjoying this. How <laughs> funny would it be that Mike Tomlin's record of no losing seasons gets ruined by Big Ben in his final year? Because that's basically the only reason. And they can't block too, but you know, we're we're all dealing with those issues, Pittsburgh. I don't want to hear it. Um so yeah, I mean, Jace, you probably have a more nuanced take after watching Aaron Rodgers, your boy dismantled Pittsburgh, but um just real quickly for me on the other two teams. Brown's defense is legit scary. Um, if I was Cleveland, I'd be scared of Baker Mayfield. He stinks. He still stinks. Um, that was a I watched a lot of that Browns Vikings game, like a lot like way more than I should have. And it was <laughs> horrible. I mean, they were horrible on the offensive side of the football. And the Vikings are fine, but you should be putting that team away if you're this Super Bowl contender that everybody keeps talking about. I I don't see it yet. <clears throat> And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm terrified to get to the Bengals, and I'm having flashbacks of New Year's Eve. And um, Joe Burrow with the the cut, I think you saw the NFL Films thing of, like, he, he rallies him back and basically he's on the sideline, like, put the damn ball in my hands. Just give me the ball. Put it in my hands. We got this. And I was like, crap. I like him. He's really good. And I just don't want him to be in Cincinnati because it's just, like, it's so very, very annoying that, yeah, Guys, 
the Bengals are going to be a problem. Uh, and a lot of it's because of Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow is that dude. Tide goes in, tide goes out, Tim. One team falls out of the AFC North picture. Uh, and, of course, another one has to just take right, slide right into that place to make it, at the moment, still a three-team race out of, out of four in the AFC North. I think, too, real quickly, sorry, Jace, before you go, I think the one thing that the Steelers showed us, and I saw this, Andrew Brandt, who was a former executive for the Green Bay Packers, is on Twitter now, and you know he's a pretty good follow if you want to give him a follow. Um, he made a really good point about, you know, they were – People were angry at the Packers twice now for drafting quarterbacks too early. They drafted Aaron Rodgers while Brett Favre was still there, and then they drafted Jordan Love, who you know hasn't looked like he's going to turn out, but we'll see, while Aaron Rodgers was still there. We know about the whole fiasco. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the reason that you should be doing that rather than waiting because the scariest part for the Steelers is Dewey Haskins nor Mason Rudolph are the answer at quarterback for them. That Ben Roethlisberger right now is better than both of those options. And so I think he phrased it, and I don't have it up in front of me, but it's when it's hardest to find a quarterback when you're looking for one. And you better plan ahead. The Ravens did it with Lamar Jackson. He came in earlier than we thought. That uh, obviously worked out brilliantly. But you plan ahead and you do it that way rather than just waiting, waiting, waiting because you might hurt the ego of your quarterback. Like, you know, I, I think – the Packers, I think this is going to turn out to be a great thing for them if Jordan Love turns out, which who knows. But that's why you do that rather than do the Pittsburgh way. Yeah, I, it's it's weird for – I don't even know if we've actually said the record. Uh, the Steelers are 1-3, in three, which is just shocking in its own right. But, uh, you know, b- beyond that – and that one's increasingly looking like a fluke for the Steelers based on what the Bills have shutouts in two of the last three weeks. But um, – yeah, with the Steelers, it's weird. Like, for this game, I feel like I don't have too much more to add, really, than what Tim said. Because it's kind of, you don't want to, you know, I guess beating a dead horse. But it's kind of the same problems every week. Their line stinks and Ben Roethlisberger's done as a kind of a, a top-tier NFL passer. Uh, Antonio, you mentioned his checkdowns. I saw this uh, on Twitter uh, today via ESPN's Brooke Pryor. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is now the only QB in the last 20 seasons to lose yardage on multiple fourth down completions in the same season. So that kind of just solidifies what you're talking about. He's, he's checking down when they have to make these big plays. And it, it, that's kind of, you know, as not to have any sympathy, I guess, for Steelers fans, but that's got to be so deflating as a fan to just, just, just watch your, your QB just like, can't get it done. Like he's either, he doesn't want to pull the trigger on a longer pass or can't like physically. And so they're in a tough spot. I am also completely uh, in step with Tim that the Browns roster is terrifying, but they will basically go as far as Baker Mayfield takes them. And I think, um, to, uh, Sunday's game was a good example of why they're probably going to ultimately come up short because that was, you know, he missed too many big throws, including one, that one up the seam to Beckham where no one was around him and he just, he hits him and the game's over and he couldn't do it. And Cousins, all you know, they all, they, they could have tied the game. Uh, they had the ball down at the 30, but uh, their, their defense is good. And then I'm completely with you on Burrow, Tim. It's very frustrating he, he's, you know, I, there's always been some questions with him about his arm strength, but there's no denying his, his, his want to. 
I mean, just the fact he shreds his knee in November and he's already just back. That, that's crazy just uh, to get back in that amount of time. But he clearly, you know, has the moxie and makeup to be a star NFL quarterback in this league. And uh, that's terrifying. You know, I don't need the Bengals to have swagger. Who needs that in their life? Uh, I don't. <laughs> the Ravens have hammered the Bengals the last few years. And the idea of that going away is definitely frustrating. But. Um, yeah, I mean, they still have some issues, like their line's still not you know, the, the most perfect. They were down 14 to nothing to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who once again might be the worst team, uh, in football. Um, but he, he's good, I think. He, I think he's a good young quarterback, and, uh, that's something the Ravens are gonna have to compete with. Though we should say, he is technically older than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Uh, if not technically, you know, age is, <laughs> time is a real thing. That's he true. is he is not definitely older than Lamar Jackson. Yeah, right. We'll be able Fact. to we can say that every year. We can keep saying it every year that Lamar Jackson is younger than Joe Burrow. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, Arizona Cardinals, the only undefeated team left 4-0 after just taking care of the LA Rams in Los Angeles. That game was over after 3 quarters. It was 34 to 13. At the end of the third quarter, finished thirty-seven to twenty. I think that was a game that a lot of people had penciled as, uh, dare I say, a gambling opportunity for the Rams, who everybody has said they've sort of been the NFL darling for the first few weeks. And Arizona says, no, we were also undefeated entering this game, and we're still undefeated. They take control for the time being of the NFC West. The Chiefs, who I had in a tease last week. Uh, because they were playing the Eagles, and there was no chance that they were actually going to lose to the Eagles. They made it as as difficult as they possibly could, and that's because their defense stinks. They cannot tackle. They can't cover. They give up seemingly eight yards a play and are just completely reliant on their offense, outscoring other teams, outgunning other teams because they have Patrick Mahomes. The game finished 42-30, to uh, was close for significantly longer than it should have been before Kansas City had a few touchdowns in the fourth half to put it uh, fourth half the fourth quarter to put it away. Uh, I I have questions about the Chiefs. We talk about them in the I think over under wins in our season preview about the Super Bowl loss hangover team. About I think the line their line was maybe. 12 jace if you remember 12 and a half 12 and a half 12 and a half uh we sort of laughed that they had only lost two games last season i said they could double their losses and still cover that number comfortably now i'm not so sure they're two and two they have had to fight in all of these games uh i think this is their first like double digit victory in a very long time i got well they finally covered and they don't cover ever (laughs) their defense is horrendous and there are no signs of it getting better uh i think they're in real trouble in terms of trying to repeat as the afc champion uh and then the 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 showdown that we uh i would prefer that we talk about this as little as possible but it happened so i guess i gotta bring it up and that's uh Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went to New England, and Tom got cheered at first, and then he got booed later, and the game was kind of not that good because of the rain, and nobody could complete a pass or get a first down. But Tampa Bay wins. Tom Brady gets the story. I don't know why the Patriots 
decided to kick a 54-yard field goal on fourth and three instead of try to get another first down before kicking. But those are my three NFL talking points, and I turn to you guys now. If you want to add something to those three games or maybe another game that that you watched this weekend uh, around the NFL. Um, you know, to not talk about this game because the game, the Patriots game sucked. I mean, it was it was boring. It, I had to watch the the rest of the highlights this morning. Um, let's just take solace in this. New England fans were sad, and Bill Belichick made a coaching mistake. Let's move on. Um, let's go to let's see. First time ever, I'm going to bring up the Jets. Zach Wilson might have had the throw of the day. That throw to Corey Davis to uh, beat the Titans. Well, it was leading up to beating the Titans. Their overtime took way too long. I had it on. I had it on muted red zones. So it wasn't sure what was going on really there with all those uh, with the calls there at the end. But the Jets get their first win. Congrats to Robert Sala. Zach Wilson is going to be fun to watch as a neutral. I'll put it that way because the man. Just does not care back there, but it was a very cool. He sent the receiver deep and then just launched it. Little guy with a big arm is always interesting to me. I don't know why. It's just cool to watch. Um, kind of like Justin Herbert, except tall, like stereotypical quarterback. It's a different type of fun, but it's still fun. Um, the only other things uh, I'm going to go quickly, just say, just Google Urban Meyer if you don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> we don't need to get into it in detail, but oh boy, <laughs> my Lord, that was a bad idea to hire that guy. And let's see how long he lasts. Family show. Uh, and then my final one here is the Cowboys are good. I'm going to say it. The Cowboys are good. If you don't know, you know, if I had to pick a second team, I don't have to get into the whole story here. It would be the Dallas Cowboys. It is way low on my list, clearly. This is a Ravens household through and through. But uh, they were in a tight one early with uh, Sam Darnold, the, the scrambler, and running, running for touchdowns. And uh, and the Carolina Panthers, obviously, who I think just like Denver, we kind of found out who they are. But Dallas, Dak Prescott, as good as advertised, only had 14 completions, but four of them were tuds. And then the defense has stepped up. Uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs, five picks already. And Micah Parsons, man, the guy that they drafted as a middle linebacker who they're lining up as defensive end to rush the passer. He plays all over that front seven. Super, super cool to watch. And if Dallas has a defense, man, in that in that NFC East, that's a team that could threaten for a buy, maybe. You know, it might be a little bit of an overreaction now, but I was very, very impressed with them in the early slate. The the game that popped out the most to me uh, was definitely that Cardinals uh, Rams game, and as Tony, uh, Antonio said, they just kind of uh, took it to the Rams, which is very kind of surprising coming off the Rams. The I you know. I read the power rankings out there on the internet at uh, my place of employment and elsewhere. And uh, a lot of Rams number one after, you know, uh, they beat the Buccaneers, but I, do I, do I want to say credit to Cliff Kingsbury? I don't know. I think maybe perhaps more credit to Kyler Murray. He's very fun to watch, obviously uh, as a neutral fan. And um, yeah, I mean, that division's crazy. Every team, and I think the Niners are the worst team in that division, maybe, but uh Every team's good in the NFC West, so the Cardinals definitely. I don't think many people would have had them the last NFL's last undefeated team. Uh, just you know, four weeks into the season, but um, they've been really impressive, and that was you know 
no real better way to send a message to a team that had they'd lost something like five or six, I don't think McVay had ever lost to the Cardinals before uh, Sunday. And so to send that kind of message uh, it was just really impressive, I thought, for the Cardinals and kind of kind of a sign you would think that they're they're kind of here to stay. They had a hot start last year, fell apart, but this seems like a team that has to be taken for real this year. The Cardinals next week face the 49ers, then the Browns, so I, the tests continue for them as the lone undefeated team, uh, and we'll see how, uh, how they do in those next two weeks. Uh, we're going to turn away now to the Ravens first Colts, but first, we have to do a random Raven, and Jace is up this week. Jace, I mean, there's a tiny bit of pressure on here because there have been some uh, some doozy random Ravens uh, over the last <laughs> few weeks. So who do you have for us? Well, I don't think this guy's too hard, actually. Uh, but I will say clues are sparse, so it's kind of one of those things. But um, I was surprised we had not done this guy, I'll say that. Um, so to dive in. Uh, this player was drafted by the Ravens in the second round of the 2006 NFL Draft. The Oklahoma product appeared in 73 games for Baltimore over five seasons, making 47 starts during that time. The offensive lineman that this player was uh, played primarily at right guard throughout his NFL career. Clue number four. After five years with the Ravens, this player signed as a free agent with Washington and started all 16 games for them for four consecutive years. And then he moved to the Atlanta Falcons, where he started all 16 games in both 2015 and 2016 before calling it a career. And so, yes, if you're keeping track at home, that means he retired just shortly after a month after the Falcons' 28-3 collapse in the Super Bowl. I guess he saw that and said, time to hang it up. We're never going to win one, uh, a chip. Uh and then finally, final clue. Is that a quote, Jace? Is that his? No, no, that's me speculating. <laughs> I, just in the press conference, time to hang it up. We're never going to win a yeah. chip. <laughs> no, that, that's me. But uh, come on. I, I, he, the guy retired in March 2017. He, he, he gave it a whole month and said, no, nah, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> uh, but final clue. His number with the Ravens, number 65, is currently being worn by current starting right tackle Patrick McCarry. <laughs> So, I don't know if that helps at all. Uh, oh, I, 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 it's an offensive lineman, and it's so stupid. But like, I just know, I, I, it took me a clue and a half to figure this one out. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a little stuck on. I gotta do some, some, uh, some more reading. I think, I think I've been off my game the last few weeks. I think it's I having watched a social life. An NFL throwback, and this guy was in the background. I forget, like, how I, I stumbled on this guy, but I realized we hadn't done him, so I figured he could be a good one. Jace, just I so have a bonus clue for you at the end if you need it. I have a bonus clue that might work. Just for fun, Jace, did, did this player have uh, success with the Ravens? Was he a pro bowler? Did he to any accolades? Uh, no. Just started... <laughs> just the started right to games. be a starter. Okay. I mean, yeah, I, broad strokes, he was the right guard before... Marshall Yonda, basically, if that helps you at See, all. That's but, yeah, uh, uh, a period that I've locked down. Marshall Yonda, <laughs> please come back. Uh, we would we would love you even now uh, on this offensive line. All right, uh, we'll answer that at the end of the show. So let's turn now to the Ravens hosting the Colts. Back to prime time. It's Monday night. Ravens are seven point favorites against the Colts, who have come off of their first win of the season against the Tua-less. Miami Dolphins. 
I mean, guys, it, I mean, first thing, before we get into Ravens offense, Ravens defense, it's a Monday night. It's a home game. That They have not had a home game since the Chiefs' primetime game. The crowd is going to be back. They're going to be ready for football. Is that it? End of story. Is that Ravens' dub? Maybe forgetting the, the line, at least. Is that Ravens' dub with this Col- how this Colts team has looked in the first month? I mean... You know, it sounds like an intangible, but if the defense comes out, or the, excuse me, well, the defense too, but if the fans come out and make that place what it was against the Chiefs in prime time, absolutely. And I think they're going to need to do that. And I think it helps that it's only the second home game after the Chiefs won. Um, you know, the fans are clamoring to get back in. It's another prime time game. There'll be plenty of Natty Bows flowing before and during, I assume. So I'm not going to say done and dusted but yeah i think that helps significantly and it's nice to be back at the bank well what other intangible antonio they are inducting haloti nada into the ring of honor during this game so another legend in the building it probably means other legends i assume ray lewis will probably be there we know jonathan ogden will almost certainly be there he's he's in baltimore for all those big events so um yeah, and against the Colts, no less. So need we say Monday night against the Colts? I can't imagine the last primetime game the Ravens have played the Colts. That's always, you know, very exciting. So I can't wait to watch the Mayflower again. <laughs> uh, yeah, should we, is that a situation, Jace, primetime with the we need the Colts hatred? Should every, every fan has to be over the age of 40 or something, or now it's like 50 <laughs> just to have the yeah. maximum... If you don't remember uh, March of 84, if you weren't there for March of 84, <laughs> you just don't get it, man. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be a really fired up. And uh, I, honestly, you know, we'll get more into the X's and O's, but I think that'll probably be close to enough. I think the vibes are incredibly good for this Ravens team that despite all the issues they've had, they're three and one. I think that has certainly us as fans. I know myself as a fan, very fired up. Um and, uh, yeah, I think the place will be uh, rocking. Always is against Colts, probably even more so for a Monday night game. So, uh, intangibles alone, I'm inclined to <laughs> pick the Ravens in this game. Let's start in terms of offense-defense with the Colts' offense first against the Ravens. Carson Wentz has been in and out of the lineup. He's had the first what was the foot, then it was the ankle, then it was the other ankle. Then he is still just Carson Wentz from the season before. Uh, not exactly maybe a, a, a terrifying weapon, let's say. The Colts maybe pound-for-pound pound best player, Quentin Nelson, their starting guard. He's on injured reserve. He will not be in this game. So the Colts turn to Jonathan Taylor, their running back, a lot. He has almost 300 rushing yards in the season. There's not a ton here. Uh, Pitt, uh, Michael Is it Michael Pittman Jr.? He's their leading receiver. He has 270, 23 catches in four games. Good, not amazing. Uh, what do the Colts do here? What, where can they pose a problem uh, for the Ravens offensively to, to make this maybe more of a sweat? I honestly kind of lean back on, you know, the Ravens played Carson Wentz last year in a uh, quirk of players getting traded when he was on the Eagles. Um, and I kind of circle back to that game, Antonio, where we were frustrated uh, by, you know, them just not making the plays on the balls that Carson Wentz served up. Because that's what he does. Uh, and even though they won, which I think, I didn't mention it, that's another, I think, positive, is that 
not a hundred percent desperate Colts team because they're coming off a win. So it, maybe they're relaxed a bit, but he was like hardly impressive in that game because the Dolphins kind of handed that game away in many ways. I'm just not a Carson Wentz fan. And I think he's going to serve some balls up into questionable plays and it's up to the Ravens to defense to just make the plays on those balls where he's just throwing it up into triple coverage or making a very questionable out throw when he should just eat the ball and get take the sack. Um, we know this about Carson Wentz. He's not going to change. He's old enough. He's old enough and an experienced enough QB that this is kind of the QB he is at this point. And so, you know, maybe the coaching helps him a little bit, but he has not looked great this year. And as you said, their line hasn't been up to their normal standards and is now injured and stuff. And um, so, yeah, I think he's going to make mistakes. You just have to capitalize. And unlike the Eagles game where they kind of escaped skin under their teeth because they didn't capitalize last season, I think that if they make the plays uh, on on those balls, he's just dying to give away that they should, you know, come away with a few turnovers in this game, I would hope. Yeah, first on Wentz, and this comes from uh, Zach Hicks on Twitter who reports on the Colts. Uh, in these first four games uh, when Wentz has faced the Blitz, which guess what the Ravens do? <laughs> He is 10 for 18 for 102 yards, 5.6 yards per attempt with two touchdowns, and he's been sacked three times on 21 dropbacks. It ain't great, but it ain't bad. And so I think what they need to do is make sure that they're getting to that guy and bringing him down too. I think that's very, very important. He's a he's Roethlisberger-esque where he could – he's way worse at it, trust me, but he can make stuff happen, and he will throw some of those balls up, but – you know, high risk, high reward a lot of the time with that stuff too, Jace. For me, I mean, no Quentin Nelson is just the biggest sigh of relief. He's the best offensive lineman in the NFL. And the fact that the Ravens are going to go up against a backup left guard and Calais Campbell is going to be lined up over that guy, that poor soul all game, should be a massive advantage for Baltimore. Eric Fisher is the left tackle who is just like fine. He's coming back from injury as well, so maybe – Guys like Bowser and Oway can expose him on the end. And then for me, it's simple. I mean, I'm not going to point to any individual players, but Jonathan Taylor is a very good running back, and he's a big running back, and he and he is hard to bring down. And the Ravens haven't showed they can bring hard guys to bring down down yet, and they need to start doing that. And, you know, let's hope it starts here. You know, I don't know the, the status of Deshaun Elliott. We're obviously very early in the week as we record this. He would be a massive boost, but... If you stymie that run game and you keep bringing him down near or behind the line of scrimmage, you're going to force Carson Wentz to make some risky throws. And, you know, that falls right into Jace's plan of taking advantage of that. That would be a carbon copy kind of of the game last year. The Ravens played the Colts last season in Indianapolis. They were a Phillip Rivers-led team at the time. And it was another first-half, second-half game where the Ravens' offense in the first half just looked horrendous. Uh, Rivers was doing some things, doing the Rivers throws that are so frustrating and just finding the angles and leading receivers just perfectly. And then Jonathan Taylor had the fumble, and it was picked up, scooped, returned for a touchdown, and all of a sudden the Ravens were in the game. Uh, And then in the second half, the offense had a pulse, and they ended up winning, I think, by multiple scores. So I love the thought of turnovers, Anthony Averett, with a couple of interceptions this season, let's see more playmaking from him, playmaking from the secondary, and maybe the occasional strip sack, which Carson Wentz has shown. And uh, Owe, I think, is just waiting, just waiting for another opportunity to, to make a play in a Ravens prime time football game. Um, 
Anything else, guys, before I turn to the Ravens' offense, anything else, Ravens, defensively that you'd like to see? I mean, I'm just more disappointed that you didn't mention on the fumble that um, Chuck Clark did the D's nuts to Phillip Rivers <laughs> in, in the funniest moment of my football-watching career. That's it. Uh, yeah, Phillip Rivers retired at the end of the season. Maybe the <laughs> athleticism was just not, not there for him anymore. Can't say the two incidents are unrelated. Can't prove it. Can't be said. Uh, offensively. For the Ravens, I want to touch on something that I did not mention in the recap of the Broncos game. We're at, I mean, I want to say the quarter poll. I'm so annoyed. This is a 17-game season. So after four games, you can't say that. However, after four games of a 17-game season, Lamar Jackson is on pace for an incredible statistical achievement. Um, He currently has 1,077 passing yards and 279 rushing yards. I was a journalism major, but the math on that tells me that he is on pace for a 4,000 passing yard, 1,000 rushing yard season, which would be, I believe, the first in NFL history. Kyler Murray was flirting with it for a bit last season, ended up missing both numbers uh, for a variety of reasons that are mostly related to Cliff Kingsbury. But Lamar Jackson, (laughs) he's carrying the weight in every sense right now, getting not that much help from his teammates. Will his passing and rushing continue against this Colts defense, and will the Ravens take control of the game offensively? It's This will be an intriguing challenge, because the Colts defense, I think, you know, they're 17th in your, uh, points against, but uh, yards, they're in the top 10. They're number 8, and they're, they're, they have a top 10 uh, pass defense currently. Their running defense, actually, is 15th, so... Perhaps we see the Ravens get a little more going on the ground. You know, obviously a lot of that is subject to, I think, the Ravens' own offensive line issues. Um, But, you know, I I worry just a a little bit. But on the whole, though, we just saw what they did to, I think, a better, frankly, Denver defense. And they were able to get some, some passing going. Perhaps they're looking for that more, the Colts, now after this most recent Ravens passing explosion. But that in turn, should open up things on the run game. So uh, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that Lamar can kind of keep this train rolling. And as we've kind of talked about throughout the episode, he's going to need to um, because, uh, yeah, the ru- the running back isn't great. And, you know, guys like Darius Butler, uh, or Darius Butler, Darius Leonard, uh, are waiting to drop, uh, you know, whoever uh, comes through the middle there. Uh, so, I think it'll be another Lamar heavy game. Maybe we see a few more design runs for him that we didn't see last week. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I'm still optimistic just based on their performance against Denver. But it will be a challenge. Yeah, the Colts defense is relatively middle of the pack when you look at yards per game, you know, both on through the air. Uh, they give up 114 rushing yards per game as well. They're giving up 24, oh, just over 24 points a game as well, which is a lot. But I guess that's why you're one and three. Um I mean, yeah, like, look, this is a broken record. This this season has to be the Lamar show. And part of the Lamar show now is passing the football. And I think you get your guys like Prochet and your guys like Sammy Watkins lined up in some maybe weaker matchups where Hollywood Brown is, you have to account for the deep threats. So you get some good underneath uh, throws for Lamar to make, and you're constantly moving the chains that way. Um, for me, it's, it's neutralizing Darius Leonard. Uh, he is... Top two middle linebacker in this league, something that Patrick Queen should aspire to be in terms of how good he is. 
And with the way our offensive line is playing and the way uh, – and I, I, is it DeForest Buckner they have as well who yep. used to play for, uh, for the 49ers who was fantastic last year for them. He continues to be a strong force up the middle. That's going to be a tough test for those guards. Ben Cleveland, you know, Bozeman at center as well. Uh, Kevin Zeitler. Neutralize him. Get to the second level. Try and get a, try and knock out Darius Leonard as much as you can and get him away from the plays. He's still going to end up with probably 15 tackles, but that's just who he is. Um, and I think one of the ways you do that is maybe you attack more through the passing game rather than just, you know, first, second down running the ball, then third down passing the ball. So, yeah, I, I, it's it's funny. Like the Colts have a, I think the Colts defense is the strong unit of this team, but I also think the Colts are just not very good. And I think the Dolphins are worse. And I think those are two teams that we thought were playoff contenders going into the season, and they have just not shown it. And so for me, yeah, I'm not super worried about the Ravens being able to win this football game on either side of the ball. I spoke last week with the Broncos preview that I just. I wasn't afraid of Teddy Bridgewater when Lamar Jackson is the quarterback he was going against. I think I'm less afraid of Carson Wentz. I'm even less afraid of Carson Wentz on the road in a very difficult environment. I just see him folding in a lot of situ- a lot of timeouts being called because they can't get the alignment. They can't hear. The play calls aren't being done correctly. He's holding on to the ball too long or running too early and getting clobbered that way. I I see the Colts having a sloppy performance offensively, multiple turnovers. That's all the Ravens really need. They're going to be blitzing all over the place. The bank is going to be rocking. And that alone will neutralize how good the Colts can be defensively. And the Ravens are going to do a little bit, at least, of what they do. Uh, I don't think Lamar is going to have 300 passing yards. I also don't think the Ravens are going to be struggling to hit 100 rushing yards in the fourth quarter. I think everything sort of uh, adjusts to the mean, and the Ravens pass for about 200, 250 yards, and they rush for about 150, and they win this game by double digits. So I'm going to turn now to my picks, uh, if you guys want to add any other insight on this game uh, as we go around the horn here. But uh, it's a big number, but guess what? Vegas is right a lot. So they don't believe in these Colts, and they don't believe in them on the road. So I'm taking the Ravens at minus 7. Uh, last week, with my picks, I went 2-1, and one, winning week, which we are enjoying. 5-9 and nine on the season, so still a little bit of work to do. So we got three winning picks coming out this week. Uh, the Ravens at minus 7. I hit on a tease last week, um, which is my bread and butter. You know, I'd been away from the teases for a couple of weeks. So I got to come back to it. So I got another tease coming this week. I'm d- I'm double dipping on the Ravens again. Uh, so this is a three-team, six-point tease. Bet a hundred dollars, win a hundred and sixty. Or for most of our listeners, bet a hundred thousand dollars, win a hundred and sixty thousand dollars, which would be quite an accomplishment for you. But three teams: the Ravens. I'm moving that line from minus seven to minus one. I'm taking the Cowboys at home against the New York Giants. I'm moving that line from minus 7 to minus 1. And then the New England Patriots coming off a very difficult loss. They have the best next team to play, and that's Houston. So I'm moving that Patriots line down to minus 3 at the Houston Texans. Those three teams will win by 1, 1, and 3. That's my tease for the week. And then my third pick, I can almost 
predict that Jace will also be all over this game uh, as the Aaron Rodgers fan of the pod, but Green Bay Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites, traveling to Cincinnati. They're a better team. They're a playoff team. I don't know if we can say that yet about the Bengals. I love Green Bay uh, at minus three-and-a-half, and this is the perfect trap that I'm just walking right into. Uh, and I cannot wait to be back next week talking about the Packers winning this game by three points and not covering. But I'm making the pick anyway. So it's Packers minus three and a half. Yeah, I have that too, Antonio. And I hate it. It it smells. Something's wrong. Something is off. Why is it only three and a half? Uh, am I still taking the bait? Absolutely. Let's go. Packers Let's minus go. three and a half. We're on it. Um I, I am taking the Ravens, uh, hitting that minus seven. Um, I think they'll be fired up. We should mention Ravens 16-2 and two in home primetime games under John Harbaugh. Uh, uh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Hashtag pretty good. Um, and then my final pick, I am picking the Titans uh, minus four. Um, Double-checking who they play, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We mentioned Urban Meyer's been in the news this week. The Jag, I think this... I think the Titans have clear issues. Um, they're clearly not as good as they were last season. But I think people, uh, this line is being impacted by the fact they lost to the Jets. And I think people are overreacting. I would absolutely be stunned if that psycho Mike Vrabel and the Titans lose uh, two weeks in a row to the Jets and the Jaguars. Because um, someone's got to win the AFC South, right? And the, I think the Titans are the only two and two t- uh team there so um I'm, I'm rolling with the titans i think they'll uh they'll um pull out the win by at least four i, I think the jaguars are really bad i think they're a really really bad team <laughs> and uh yeah I, I i just see an opportunity there with that titans line <sighs> so last week got ravens lost miami because like i talked about miami's way worse than i thought i'm, I'm done i'm done done betting them that, that's it um and then as we record, I have the Chargers tonight against Vegas. I love it. it, it I got it at minus three and a half. It's now minus three as well. Um, love it even more at minus three. Let's go to the picks this week. Yeah, this Green Bay one stinks, but I'm going to take it anyway, too. Let's, all three of us, which is just even worse. I, I, li- um, I actually like that, Tim. I like that all three of us have specifically highlighted this game so we can all sort of cry together next week. Joe Burrow's great. We we gave him his plaudits earlier in the program. They they had to come back to beat the Jaguars. He's playing Aaron Rodgers. So, like, everybody, let's calm down. Although, it could be a classic Aaron not really showing up game, and then they win at the, the very end by three. We'll see. A um, couple other picks here. Sunday night is a great football game. It is in Kansas City. It is Buffalo, Kansas City, a rematch of the AFC Championship. And I have a feeling that everybody and their brother is going to take Buffalo. And so for that reason and that reason alone, the Chiefs are the team that's been here. The Chiefs are the team that has beaten them before. And I know the defense is bad, but give me Patrick Mahomes in prime time when people are sort of underrating them and the entire storyline is going to be, this is Buffalo's big moment. So I'll take Chiefs minus two and a half. They only got to win by a field goal. If you're a gambler, check that line. I think it's only going to get smaller. I think it's going to... It might end up, you know, a pick them by the, by the time we get to Sunday night there. So I love that pick. Another pick where last week I was not on here, but I do like to kind of just pick the games for myself just to keep track. I was all over the Rams. All the sharp money was on the Cardinals. I should have just because the Rams were coming down from that big win. I said it didn't matter. I just think they're a straight-up better team than the Cardinals are. 
And so I went Rams, and obviously the Cardinals uh, dashed that dream. For the at exact reason, I am doing the opposite again here. I'm going San Francisco. I don't care if it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, plus five and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, give me free points and Kyle Shanahan against Cliff Kingsbury and a team that everybody is going to hype up the entire week. This is just how the NFL works. I don't have the stats to prove it for you. This is simply a gut feeling. Um, I just think San Fran will play them tough. They'll play them close. They might not win, but they ain't going to lose by five and a half points. And finally, the Baltimore Ravens are going to win this football game. But it is going to be annoyingly close. (laughs) And because of that... Tim, I I can't take it. I can't take another one of those. And because of that, I'm picking Indy plus seven. It's another prime time, another edge of her seat. I am going to be uh, fresh back from a wedding. Congratulations to Matt and Jackie, by the way, if they actually listen to this. If they don't, that's fine. You don't need to listen to our ramblings anyway. you got a lot of stuff going on this week. Um, I'll be fresh back from a wedding, and I ended up taking the Tuesday off, too, just to make sure that I'm plenty recovered from this. It's going to be a cluster F. I just have a, I have a bad feeling about this Colts game. We watched, <laughs> we watched them almost blow it to Carson Wentz last year against Philadelphia with that massive comeback that Philly staged and it kept it way too close. I can see something like that happening here uh, with the Ravens missing tackles on Jonathan Taylor over and over and over again and like Mo Alley Cox having the game of his life or something like that. So I think the Ravens win. This is an emotional hedge. I know. Give me Indy <laughs> plus seven. I mean, I want to <laughs> fight that. But that was such a vivid example of what could very much happen between tackle breaking and that random dude having a hundred receiving yards. But it's at Those home. I'm just gonna. Game. I'm gonna keep telling myself it's at home. It's at home. Everything's okay. It's at home. Uh, Jace, before we get out of here, can you read us the random Raven clues one more time? Yes, sir. So this player was drafted by the Ravens in the second round of the 2006 NFL Draft. The Oklahoma product appeared in 73 games for Baltimore over five years, making 47 starts during that time. The offensive lineman played primarily at right guard throughout his NFL career, including in Baltimore, where, at least according to Pro Football Reference, pretty much all of his starts occurred at. Um, After five years with the Ravens, this player signed as a free agent with Washington and spent four years there, where he started all 16 games, all four years. He then moved on to the Falcons, where he... Once again, started all 16 games, two consecutive years in 2015 and 2016 before calling it a career in March of 2017. His number with the Ravens, number 65, is currently being worn by Patrick McCarry. I like remember this player going to Washington. I remember an established starter on the offensive line going to Washington and then just having a whole few seasons there as a starter. I have no idea on a name. So, Tim, I turn to you here with uh, with who this random raven is. This random raven is Chris Chester. Oh, my goodness. It is Chris Chester. <laughs> as random as they come. And yet, an established starter for three NFL teams. Had himself a whole career, Jason. Yeah, over 11 years in the league. Uh, played in the Super Bowl. It didn't go great, but he played in the Super Bowl. Uh and yeah, I was just very surprised um, by a number of things with Chris Chester that we hadn't done him, that he was a second round pick that I had no recollection of, um, that he like played right guard as Marshall Yonda, one of the great right guards in modern NFL history, was on the team. That's fascinating as well. 
Um, just a whole number of questions Chris Chester uh, brought up to me. But yeah, uh, I, and yeah, as you said, Stalwart did not miss a game. His last six seasons, he started all 16 games for two different NFL teams. Uh, but yeah, just another player that walked from the Ravens and I think qualifies as uh, your random Raven of the week. Uh, also the most just standard issue Ravens move. Second round pick, starter for multiple seasons, end of the rookie contract, let him walk, replace him with a third round pick, who then ends up playing for uh, 10 plus seasons with the Ravens in Marshall Yonda. Uh, a fantastic random Raven pick, Jace. And with that, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. Um with a, a normal heartbeat, uh, normal cholesterol, and able to talk about another positive, easy Ravens victory for Jace Evans and Tim Wilson. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening, as always, to Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.